Well, Galatians is finished and it was really great to get into a, a book of the Bible and, and open it up and, and just unpack it and, and take hold of what God is saying. Today I, I want to share a message which I hope encourages you to allow the who to overcome. To overcome the whys of life. Who here has lots of whys about life? I think I spend too much time in my life pondering the whys rather than pondering the who's. You see, I, I want to encourage us today that it's, it's Jesus first and always why second. I want to encourage us that it's the who of our life that is the foundation. And it's only on that foundation does the whys of life really make any sense. I want to encourage our thinking and our attitudes and our hearts, our decision-making, our reflections and our future, that the who matters more than the why. The who matters more than the why. And I want to begin by explaining and showing this from a very small verse, yet it's had a profound effect on me. It's from 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 6. And this is showing how the who failed. This verse is a passage about the son of a king, a pretty good place to be, would you agree? Maybe not. The son of a king who, who really uh, decides that he wants to be king. And so he charges off ahead of the game without his father, the King David, knowing and basically proclaims himself king. And the passage of Scripture that we're going to read really has a profound edge to it. It says this, Now, Aiden, because that's what his family called him. Now, Aiden's father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, Why are you doing that? A simple verse. But when I first came across that verse, it just grabbed my attention, it just grabbed hold of me. And I, and I just began to think about, why was this son never disciplined? Even by a question of why are you doing that? Was the, was the father just not present? The scripture implies that the most bottom line, the most baseline of any meaningful relationship is the capacity to ask that question. Because it says, he didn't discipline him at any time, even by asking. In other words, the bottom line, the, the most minimalist approach in a relationship, even by asking him, why are you doing that? See, I believe this passage speaks of, of, of a person who was never there in the life of this son. Never there. It speaks of a king with all the authority and all of the trappings and everything that the life had to offer but he wasn't present in the life of his son. You see, it's possible to have authority, but not have influence. 
It's possible to have prestige, but have no understudy. The message version simply says that David spoiled him rotten. If I say a spoiled child, does someone come to mind? No? We, of course, don't know any spoiled children in this place at all. And because of the failure of the who in this relationship, then the why became an issue as the son searched for another who. The verse continues, and note what the verse says. Now, his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking, why are you doing that? Aidan had been born next after Absalom, and he was very handsome. He was very handsome. You see, the passage of Scripture doesn't say that he was the son of King David. The passage of Scripture doesn't talk about how King David had trained him. What does the passage of Scripture says? It says he was born after his troubled brother. And all that was going in his life were absolute pristine good looks. Probably, you know, a bit like Nick Shahadi, I think. You know, Nick Shahadi's good looks. Guys, we shouldn't laugh. This is this, that's serious. Have you felt Nick's muscles? All that was going for him was his good looks. And he found the who in his life to be his brother. Another son who was not fathered. Another son who just had trouble and turmoil in his life. You see, an authentic relationship is always who first and why second. God desires a real and authentic relationship with us. And before God worried about the why, He dealt with the who. We were in the image of God and God sent who to us? He sent His Son. You see, God always deals with the who first and the whys are always second. Always second. David had failed to offer himself to his son and show God to his children. And it resulted even in the inability to ask why. This is something that has captured my heart and scared me in my own parenting. But if as a parent or as someone who wants to be connected to another, if you fail in the who of the relationship, you can't even ask why. You see that? You're disqualified to have the capacity or the right or the, the, uh, the good effect of engaging with the why because the who is not there. Does that make sense? Without the who having its proper place, the why just becomes too hard. I mean, how hard is it to go up to your kid and say, why are you doing that? Yet that's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. The who shapes our why. The who shapes our why. The why is always subject to the who of any matter, situation or relationship. Without a proper understanding of the who, the whys can very quickly get out of control. You see, for David's son, Aidan, it was his brother who was the who, Absalom. And then 
the whys of Aidan's life just led to strife, led to strife. Now, you may think, well, Ben, that's the Old Testament, that's a long time ago. Can I share with you about a Western guru who's worth about half a billion dollars? His name is Tony Robbins. And when I was a young kid, I remember on late night TV, he was flogging these tapes, help tapes. And he was making a fortune. Robbins says this, he says that whatever emotion you're after or goal you're pursuing, there are six needs, six needs that we all have. And how we value and prioritize and satisfy those needs is the driving force to the why, to the why we do what we do. And Robbins identifies these six things. He talks about the need for certainty in our life, to have some security, the need for uncertainty, to have some adventure, the need for significance, to to be loved, and and the need for connection and love, to, to be able to love and to connect with others, the need for growth and to be growing in every part of our life, and the need to contribute, to to give something to another. Six ideas. Now, there's some great little things there to contemplate and think about. There are some truths in these six needs, but do you notice what's missing in that? There's nothing about the who. There's nothing about the who in any of those six. You see, without Jesus, all we're left with is ourself. That's it. We're left with ourself, and when we're left with ourself, these are the questions that come next. Without a right who in our life, we're simply left with trying to grapple with the whys. And these six little uh, points to deal with make a lot of sense. Yet if this was really the answer, why do we have so much depression? According to Beyond Blue, one in seven Aussies suffer with diagnosable depression. That's a significant number. Have a listen to this. One in four Aussies struggle with diagnosable anxiety. One in four. Now, this is beyond blue research. You could say, well, you know, they're amping up the stats to get a grant. I I get that. I've done that myself. Um, It makes sense. But even if the numbers are a bit off, they're staggering numbers, aren't they? In fact, the numbers get a, a real point to them when in 2018, the deaths of uh, young people aged between uh, 17 and 24, 40% was a result of suicide. That that is a staggering number. Staggering number. If the wise had all the answers, then why are these statistics seemingly growing? Why? In the past 12 months, one in five Aussies have taken time off work for stress, anxiety or depression. Surely the wise alone don't have the answer. You see, Tony simply says that these are the needs that we need to deal with and satisfy and work through. These are the whys that we need to manage. But without addressing the who, I reckon our whys will fail us. Because if we make the who of our life ourself, how can our whys ever really satisfy us? Is anyone at all getting confused with who and why right now? I want to look at a passage of Scripture from Genesis chapter 39 and I want to show you this, this issue of who and why as clearly as I can. 
From Genesis 39, there was a story of Joseph, a son who was sold into slavery by his brothers. And as a brother, I have wanted to sell my brothers from time to time into slavery. I understand. The brothers ignored the who of who Joseph was. And they just focused on the whys that were annoying them. They were sick of Joseph. They just had enough. They just wanted to get rid of him. And so they did. They got rid of him. They sold him to traders. And he ended up in the house of Potiphar. Now, could you imagine Joseph trying to understand why this has happened to him? Have you ever said, why me? Have you ever said, why is this happening? Have you ever thought, why, why, why? I could imagine Joseph would be processing these things about what's happened to him. But then, even after things kind of start to go well and things are okay in Potiphar's house, he gets accused of sexual misconduct. And unjustly, he's thrown into a horrible, horrible prison with no foxtail. He's in a bad place. I mean, surely you would be asking the why question then. Why has this happened to me? I did the right thing and yet I still find myself in prison. I maintained my integrity, yet I still find myself pushed away and forgotten about. Joseph must have wondered why. He must have. Yet, when I look at the passage of Scripture, I can't find it. I can't find it. Can I show you what I do find? I find the who. In this passage of Scripture, it says, The Lord was with Joseph. And then again in prison, it says, The Lord was with Joseph. And what that spoke to me was that God is more interested in making sure that we know the who, because when we know the who, the why almost doesn't matter. Because whether Joseph was in, sold into slavery in Potiphar's house, or whether he was in the jail, the who was going to take care of him. In fact, it was the who that made the warden of the jail, which would have been a pretty tough guy, show favour to Joseph. I don't find in the passage the why. What I see in this passage is the who. You see, the Lord was with Joseph. And, and when the Lord is with you, the why seem to matter a whole lot less. Yet how much time do we spend on the whys? Now, I wonder if Joseph had a strong sense of who he was. I mean, after all, he received a really cool Nike jacket, very expensive. It was really up there. It looked the part. He knew that he was favoured. He knew that he was blessed. He knew that he was loved. Joseph had a sense of who he was. Through his father and the God of his father, Jacob, he had a sense that for no reason at all, he was just favoured. He had done nothing to deserve anything. He just had received. He just received. I wonder if sometimes it would help me to be reminded of who I'm clothed in. Aren't we clothed in Christ? Isn't Christ this new garment that we now wear? Aren't I favoured beyond measure? Aren't I blessed beyond comprehension? 
Haven't I been loved beyond anything that I deserve? You see, when we comprehend the who, it helps us to identify and enlighten our why. If God is with me, who can be against me? If God loves me, who can hurt me? If I belong to God, then God will take the whys of my life, the whys that I don't understand, and He will use those whys for good. The who, the value of the who, the strength of the who, enlightens the why. Simply because the who always requires another person besides me. The why, I just have myself most of the time. The who causes me to move out from where I am in myself and give my focus to someone else. Now, some, it's Tony Robbins. For others, it's Absalom. But for us, it's Jesus. It's Christ. He's our who. And Joseph had a very strong awareness of this because, again, in Genesis 50, Joseph says very clearly, listen, brothers, you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. You see, here's the thing. If Joseph had focused on the why, why me, why me, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad, he would never have really understood the real why so that he could save other people. You see, the real why so that he could save other people was based on who? It was based on God. And without God being the base, how could you ever possibly reach that conclusion? We simply find ourselves struggling alone to understand life, to make sense of life, to make sense of where we're at, because we haven't placed God in His proper place. Because of the who... The why is the only thing that makes sense. The who is paramount. Now, in Genesis chapter 41, it talks about Pharaoh removing his signet ring. Now, a signet ring in those days was like a sign of authority. And and the person would use a signet ring, you know, when they did a business deal, they would use that to stamp the business deal as authorised. It was like a signature. It was like an, an email being authorised. It was like a PIN number at an ATM machine. It was like your tax file number with your signature. It was, it was how things happened in those days. The signet ring was a sign of authority and trust and power and duty. And Pharaoh takes this off his hand and he places it onto the hand of Joseph. Now what that means is that Joseph is the 2IC of the United States of the day. What a gig, travelling around on Air Force One all day just going from place to place, having food served to you, dealing with all sorts of crazy things. I mean, Egypt was the US of the day. And now Joseph has the ring of authority. He has the ring of authority. Yet just before we read that Joseph recognised that it has nothing to do with Pharaoh. It's all about God. It's all about how much credit do we often give away to someone else? when really it's due to God. Joseph did not consider Pharaoh above God at all. Pharaoh did not become the who in Joseph's life. Pretty hard, I reckon. 
I reckon Pharaoh might become the who in my life. He was paying all my bills, put a ring on my finger. He would become a pretty important who. Joseph recognised that it was God who brought him into that position. And isn't it interesting that Joseph is again clothed in another Nike jacket with gold chains? He must have been African-American. That's the picture I have in my mind. Now, don't think a signet ring is old. Does anybody recognise that symbol? Thank you, Warwick. What would it be? Warwick, possibly is the only member here of this very auspicious club. For $1,000 plus the cost of making the ring, you too can own this signet ring. It is only available to MCC members. And when you walk around with this ring at the MCG, it gets you into special places. You know the nice bathroom? It gets you into that. You know the nice cafeteria where there's no lineups and all the food is free? It gets you into there. This signet ring is beautiful, it's crafted, it's lovely, it's precious, it's amazing. It carries its authenticity that this person is really a member of this club. I just want to show you two verses that again emphasise the who rather than the why. You see, sometimes the signet ring can become the who in our lives. It can become it become the place of, of our power and our authority. It, it, can, it can become the who of our lives. Yet, these next two passages of Scripture, when we compare them, you'll see that the who is absolutely more important. The first passage that comes from Jeremiah 22, and it says, As surely as I live, says the Lord, which is eternal, I will abandon you, Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, I think they were Korean, king of Judah, even if you were the signet ring on my right hand, I would pull you off. I would pull you off. God speaks about the king and this people. His chosen people is like a signet ring, a, a beautiful adorning piece of jewellery that God would proudly wear and say, you know what, those people belong to me. But, but so, something bad has happened and, and I would just rip that off my finger. Yet about 60 years later, 60 years later, in Haggai chapter 2, it says, But when this happened, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will honour you, Zerubbabel, son of Sheatil, my servant. I will make you like a signet ring on my finger, says the Lord. For I have chosen you. You know how sometimes we go down pathways and we know we've messed up? This is a great picture of God's mercy. We might face the consequences of our action, but God's mercy is so great that he says, you know what? You are my signet ring. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wear you. And in fact, this is alluding to a picture of Christ, a picture of Christ who would come and be not just the signet ring, but be the sacrifice that brings us back into relationship with God. God's mercy is so great. God holds us with so much value. We are so beautiful and so precious. Yet I want you to just pick up the distinctive differences between these two verses. In the first verses, they're both son of someone, but that doesn't really seem to matter. The difference is in that in the verse in Jeremiah, 
The person is simply the king of Judah. Yet notice in Haggai that this person is a servant and is chosen. That should tell us that the who is so much more important. Uh, uh, Do do you realise that you're a servant of God? Do you realise that you've been chosen? Do you realise that He has chosen you and he, He wears you on His finger? You're a beautiful adorning signet ring. God has chosen you. You are His servant. That is so much more important because of the person who speaks it. The who being God. Who God says you are redefines the why of your life. On this little handout here on the back, there are some passages of Scripture where you can have the opportunity to rediscover, to refresh yourself on who God says you are. So what do we do? How do we make sure the who remains the foundation of our life? Well, I think we need to find out who we are again. Who are we? Who are we really? What does God say about us? There's some scriptures on the back there for you. We need to know who said it more. There's some scriptures on the back that will help you to know who said it, to know about the one who said it. And we need to trust that God will overcome life's whys. There are some scriptures on the back there that will help. There's a song that we sing and we're going to close with just this song playing in the background. It's a beautiful song which captures the importance of the who and never really addresses any of life's why. It says, who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost but he brought me in, his love for me. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I am a child of God, yes I am. Free at last, he ransomed me, his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me, he died for me. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I am a child of God, yes I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. You believe that today? We're just going to have just about three minutes of reflection as this song plays in the background. If you want to just close your eyes, you can just sit there and listen. You can take the words in, you can read a passage of Scripture. But my prayer is that you would respond to the who this morning. You would respond to God. But he brought me Oh, his love for me Oh, his love Yes, sir.
facing, whatever you're working through, whatever goal, whatever desire you have, whatever problem that is in front of you, can I ask you to put the why to the side and to just focus on the who. First God and then whoever it is that is before you. Let's close with a scripture. Philippians 3 says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. It's all about the who. It's all about Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you and we love you. Remind us, Lord. Do a deep work in our hearts. Refresh us, Lord, with who you are. Lord, change us so that we might allow the whys of this life to be pushed to one side because of who is with us. Lord, remind us that you are with us. And Lord, let us go about this life dealing with the who's first and the whys second. Bless each person here today as they go about their week. Bless our time of fellowship now as we share and encourage one another. And everybody said, Amen.